Alright, and we're back. The last FRL of the week. The last FRL before one of the best high school tournaments of the year, Super 32. So, we had to get high school pundit, David Bray. I saw that on show. Twitter. I, what does that mean exactly? Pundit. Just... Pundit. Pundit. All right. I think it means a person who talks about things. Yeah. All right. Read a book for me one time. <laughs> I'll, all right, I'll pundit I'll, I'll, I'll pund well, it I'll right up. You exactly. An expert in a particular subject. Well, that's much... Uh, or field who is frequently called to give opinions about it. There you go. There you go. Perfect. And we, uh, our friend Andrew Spay asked, actually asked a Twitter question. How does one achieve pundit status? Well, it sounds like you got to learn a lot about something, and then people got to ask you to talk about it. That's, that's it. That's right. It's a two-step it. process. That's, that's David Bray to a T, the national high school ranker. Me and John Bray because Super 32 this weekend, it's going to be awesome. Um, break it down for us. Just talk about, you know, some of the best weights, some of the best potential matchups, what's yeah. going down. Well, I, I saw we got the link to the preview in the doc. If people if people want to know, get their heads around this tournament, you got to kind of know how to use the preview a little bit too. So my, might as well talk about that. Uh, got to understand how to read. If you can't read, you're in trouble. Yeah, but this <laughs> the preview the preview is like – the First become like, literate. Yeah, a preview for a tournament <laughs> like this is like it's almost eight thousand words. So you're not going to just read mm. every word of it. It's too it's too much. So here's what you do: at each weight, you got a bunch of lists in there. First list that's who's ranked in in the top twenty in the country. The second list got, is that honorable mention. Though you guys, I did look at this yesterday. Honorable mention, you guys kind of went off a little bit. Your honorable mention sections are like this big. These are so long, but these are guys that have like. You know, placed at NHSCAs, placed at Fargo, you know, placed at big okay. tournaments like that. So their their names worth knowing. Just kind of paying yeah. attention when that bracket comes out. See these guys, you know, they're pretty tough. Um, then you've got the seeds, so that that's important. Seeds are really important because what you is, know, the, is there a unique seeding process to this tournament? There is a little bit of a unique seeding process. I think uh, generally the the idea is to try to get the seeds to represent how these guys, you know, fit nationally. But there's also a little bit more priority given to people who have had success at this event in the past. So, you know, if guys are close and one of them has been on the podium at Super 32, um, that guy's probably going to get, get a little bit. I noticed uh, Sinclair got all the way down to a four seed and I wasn't really sure how that worked. I don't understand that either. Like that. Yeah. I don't get that either. But the other thing that they, the other thing that they try to do from my understanding is uh, try to avoid matches that have like just happened. Um, so they might kind of create some separation there, but it, it you know, it, it's a, it's yeah. So those are some of the priorities that they're looking at, but yeah, there are definitely seeds that, that are, um, I don't know that, that I don't get, that I don't understand, but that's all right. It's a very tough tournament to seed. So, um, yeah. you know, that's, that's just how it is. But, uh, but yeah, so then, then there's a little copy of in there about the, uh, about the weight and, uh, I made some predictions. These predictions are going to be 100% accurate I would I would imagine but no it's, it's, you are it's, a pundit. it's impossible the, I like these these brackets are so crazy so unpredictable so um you know predictions are you know it's a guess it's a guess but uh that's what we got going on so that's how you use the preview you have basically a so you could have a separate preview for each weight every, every single weight there's a bunch of stuff in there so uh it's going to be awesome it is going to be awesome you get to pick what is the weight to watch in Greensboro? Uh, I think if you're picking one weight, well, let me tell you this: we got five weights where you could have 
the top two guys in the in the weight class in the country wrestle for the number one spot, which right. is, is pretty awesome. And um, those are weights where these are not matches we just saw at who's number one because of some weight changes. Uh, we have new ones and twos at some different weights, and so that's pretty awesome. So I think that's like the first thing you got to know if you're watching this tournament. You got five weights where that could happen. 106 pounds. You've got Christian Castillo, and it it would have been rainy, but he's moving up to 113. So Seth Mendoza, ranked number three, but he's the second highest ranked guy in the country. So Castillo Mendoza could meet. Those guys have a crazy history. They've gone back and forth. It was uh, Mendoza winning in Fargo 2021. And then he also beat he beat uh, Castillo last year at Super 32, but Castillo just beat him two matches for the world team spot, so he's got the momentum. Castillo's number one. Mendoza um, wants to get that back, and they've had close matches in the past, but uh, but we could see that. So that's a really good one. Um, one thirteen. It's number one, Anthony Knox. Number two, Bo Bassett. This was like the. Kind of the headliner last year because Anthony Knox announced like the week of Super 32 that he was dropping to go to 106 because he wanted that matchup. He knew people would be excited to see it. So that's another really good matchup with a ton of ton of ranked guys. Um, that weight has a ton of ranked guys, but that's a matchup that would be loved to see. 120 pounds. We got another number one versus number two. We got world medalist Jax Forrest, world silver medalist uh, against World champ Luke Lillidall. This match just happened at Journeyman. It was a great match, nine to six. Forest won. We could see it again. Um, I think that may be uh, the that may end up being the toughest weight to navigate, but uh, but we'll find out. Um, then at, at one thirty two, Nasir Bailey, who was number one at one thirty eight, he's dropping down to one thirty two. He wants to be number wants that, that number one ranking in a new weight class. He's got it now, but he could see champ champ. That's right. Yeah, why would he why would he change the weight class when he just uh one who's number one? Is he really asked, that small and he just wanted to go for the challenge or he said he, he he's said, denying us of the Ryder Block rematch that he teased. He did and tease Ryder teased it. Yeah, they they did tease that that rematch. Um uh, but I, I don't know exactly why, but I know he wrestles sixty one kilos in freestyle, so this is not you know, yeah. it's not a weight that he hasn't made. He he told me he weighed in he was like two pounds under at who's number one, he had to like you know, drink water to get up to the weight. Um, so I think he's, I think he just wants to go down, but the he's really, getting, he's getting rocked down. He's uh, getting rocked down. And that might be part of it too. Like if he's going to wrestle one, one thirty three in college, maybe he wants yeah. to compete closer to that weight. I don't know. Um, the other thing about, I mean, super 32 is a day before weigh in. So it's a little bit of a, yeah. little bit uh, of a weight cutting you contest. You see a lot of guys drop a weight mm -hmm. to, for this tournament. The thing that happens, though, as a result at 132 is 1, 2, and 3 in the country are all from Illinois. So, um, this wild, is the Keith huh? Gotherweight. It's got Nasir Bailey, <laughs> Little Rock, and mm -hmm. a bunch of Illinois guys. Yep. Yeah. Sergio Limley and then Cannon Webster. Um, Webster's not going to be here, but everybody else from the top 10 at 132 is going to be in the mix. So that's, that's pretty awesome. But then because Bailey moves down, that means Ryder Block is back to number one at 138. And PJ Duke is number two, so that's another weight class where we could see uh, see a, a, a true number number one versus number two matchup. Nice. That's a that's a so. Lot of stuff. Um, from a historical standpoint, is this more, less, or about the same amount of ranked people as usual? I I don't know exact numbers, but I would guess it's it's similar. But I think the number of top guys seems particularly huh. high i think we have you know half of the number ones seven out of 14 number ones are here 
um, and so many top tens, that's where I think it's it's a little bit higher than normal. Yeah, some of the weight classes obviously a little deeper, and gen generally it's the smaller weight classes because you know at the bigger weight classes you're going to get a decent portion who play football um, and, and are not doing fall wrestling. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, we had a, a question um, from the real Avery Lynch: Which number one seed is most likely to get upset at Super Thirty Two? And I think it's probably one of those weights you just mentioned where oh. it's not even hardly really an upset. It definitely because it can be number one versus number one and number one versus number two. Yeah, that definitely could be. Um, I think there are a bunch of number ones that that have pretty tough paths through the bracket. Uh, ben mentioned 195. Um, Rune Lawrence is ranked seventh in the country, but he's the number one seed in that weight. I, I think he's going to have a, a tough path. He's he going to sometimes wrestle close matches. Mm -hmm. To if I'm. Remembering correctly from his Pennsylvania State title runs, he can. He's he is a guy that's like super tough on top. Um, you know, really good on the mat. So classic Pennsylvania. Very yeah, very classic. But not just a rider; he can turn as well. And so um, he he's very tough. But I think his quarterfinal, he would have. He's probably going to have a ranked wrestler in either. Looks like uh, Lavalley or Cotton. Yep, or Cotton. Those guys are both ranked. Um, those guys, Cotton's number eight in the country, Lavalley's number 13. Then semifinal would be really tough. Well, I mean, I, I, explain to me, because actually I didn't even look at this process. How did Delgado get above, uh, and McDaniel to that standpoint, get above Sinclair? That's uh, interesting. I, I really to... don't know. I really don't know. Um, one, I, I, I don't know. I, 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 I really can't explain <laughs> that. Can't, I have no idea. Hey, if you can't justify it, who can justify it? I don't know, but so, so when I looked at that, I was like, well, maybe it's because McDaniel and Delegata have been up at 195 for a while, but then it doesn't make sense that Rune Lawrence would be the number one seed because he just moved up to 195 for Journeyman. So I don't yeah. know how that happened. Um, Sinclair did place here last year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I have I have no real clear understanding. Delgado only went happened. two and two at Fargo. I remember because I remember someone telling me he was good, and, and I checked him out, and he did not have that great of a tournament. Right. Yeah. So I don't get that. I really don't understand that. Uh, but what it what it means is that like if Rune Lawrence gets through that that quarterfinal, then his semi is going to be either Sinclair or Jude Correa, and Rune Lawrence, Aiden Sinclair, Jude Correa all ranked in the top seven in the country. That's uh, number three, number four, and number seven. And so that's a pretty brutal semi to survive. So I think that's a, a one seed that will have his hands full for sure um, is Rune Lawrence at 195. Nice. Yeah, I thought you guys were actually – when you said number one, I thought you were actually talking about number one ranked in the country, not number one seed at the tournament. Because, yeah, no, I no, no. The, He's... The, I'm going to pick that one too. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's going to be that's gonna be pretty tough – Top seed to get through. Uh, so let me look at the other. I'm going to pull up the other one seeds real quick just because probably there are probably a lot that uh, are going to have some tough, yeah. tough, tough tests. I mean, there's no really easy pass. Uh, I was, <laughs> so I had never actually watched Munaretto, um before. I've I heard his name, but I never like actually watched him. Uh, I couldn't believe how strong he was. I mean, we have a guy who he, he's younger. So we a lot, it was 8th through 12th grade last weekend. We have a pretty damn good 8th grader. Um, and he just looked like he couldn't do anything at all. And, and Moretto kind of just like grabbed him and threw him down. And <laughs> it was like, you know, he was so powerful. There wasn't much fight. 
Yeah. Munaretto has, I mean, if, if people don't remember Munaretto, he's world champ at uh, the lightest weight, which is 45 kilos. Um, yeah. And so, that, yeah, that was, I think, the question coming into the fall was like, how big is this guy going to be? He wrestled he 100 pounds. Enough. He does look yeah. big enough. Uh, he, he was at a, there was a workout when we were doing our Who's Number One trip at St. Charles East High School, which is where he's going now. And they brought in all like so many of the tough guys from around the area. So got to see Munaretto in there going with Seth Mendoza and, and a bunch of other really good guys. And, and he's hundred percent high school ready freshman year. Yeah. Uh, so what, why is, uh, I mean, I guess has he wrestled Castillo and Mendoza or is he just been, obviously he's been smaller than them. Um, mm-hmm. So is no, that he, why he's, he's seated behind them probably? Yeah, exactly. He was, okay. He was wrestling at the the weight class below, and so he just hadn't hasn't wrestled those guys in a match yet. Yeah, that's one that I'm interested to see how that goes. But that that question about number one seeds that are going to have tough paths through the bracket. Uh, Joel Adams has a really hard path through the bracket as well. Um, Nebraska stand up. Yeah, Joel. He, yeah. Go um, ahead. I was going to say, I did the uh, kind of the college fan guide talking about all the Division One commits. For this tournament, I wrote that article. So go check it out if you're just a whatever fan, an, an Iowa fan, an Oklahoma State fan, you and I fan. And you can go see who uh, who the, the future of your team is going to be wrestling. But he's probably the best uncommitted guy, like upperclassman. Mm-hmm. In this field. Yeah, in this field. He is for sure. And he's getting close to narrowing that down, but he's still got you know some decisions to make. But the thing that is crazy about 145 um joel adams is the one seed he's he's a good one seed but he's got coy biskins and mac church one of those probably in his semifinal. um joel adams was a runner-up at this tournament last year so was coy biskins quarterfinal yeah um yeah coy biskins mac church might be you know a top one of the top quarterfinals that was a semifinal last year biskins won and that was really biskins like national breakout tournament was yeah. was super 32 um but you have the the number three number five and number six ranked guys in the country the three highest ranked guys in this bracket all in that same semi um, yeah. who's correct correct cross Walashewski and why is he the three seed i don't know that he should be i gotta google him now yeah i don't know he's that he should 14. yeah he's number four, he's really tough i don't know that he should be the i don't think he should be seated that high um but He's had some really good performances. Uh, let me pull up Elite Eight Duels. I think yeah, really uh, good for him. Does Super 32 have seeding criteria? And if so, what is it? It do, it I does mean, not really have. I No, right. not that I know. I of. can't I find any. I can't find any. Uh, I'm, I, you know what I do when I search kids? A lot of times I go, you know, their name and then track wrestling. And then uh, there ain't nothing on this dude. So he, uh, he has no tournaments in 2019. He's from um, New Jersey. And, you know, he's had a. Bunch of, he was third in New Jersey last year, uh, but he just went to Elite Eight Duels and had a win over Joel Adams there. Um, oh, that was okay. like you know that was a and then and he had who else did he beat? Oh, he beat Laird Root, who's like a tough guy from California. Yeah, Holly kid, right? Ultimate, yep, Ultimate Club Duels. So he's definitely very tough, uh, national level guy. But I, I, I was surprised to see him seated so high in this weight. Yeah, interesting. Um, Gilcher at the two, he seems like he's pretty likely to probably get, get to the finals on that side of the bracket, but that Adams Biskins church group in the semi, I kind of can't believe that. So Adams is going to have, he'll have a tough Adams had some crazy matches at last year's super 32, correct? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, he yeah. was. Let's see, his his match with Zach Hansen, I think, was a quarter, and that that match was really crazy. Uh, then, who did he beat? I can't remember who he beat in the semis, but then he wrestled Bowman in the Kasek, finals, right? Kasek, and then he wrestled Bowman in the finals, and oh, yeah. Bowman, like Adams was had the lead and he was on bottom, and he just kind of, I think he he felt comfortable that he could win from bottom and and um, didn't need to score, and Bowman turned him late. Got the win, so. No Bowman this year, but we do get Brockman, correct? Yes, that's right. No Bowman, but Brockman's in the mix. Uh, we're kind of jumping all over the place, but that weight, 130 is super deep, too. Yeah, 120 is for sure. Um, there was somebody in the chat, uh, Carter Schubert, says 120 is his favorite weight. I love 120. I think 120 is awesome. Um, for sure. It's going to be really good. Uh, yeah, uh, so... Uh, Kilkiri just who did Kilkiri just beat? He had a big win over somebody, right? Mason Gibson. Gibson. Oh, Mason Gibson. Yep. Is Mason Gibson not here, or is he up a weight? He's at one twenty six. Okay, got it. Yep. Gibson at one twenty six. That that weight's also really crazy. Did, did they wrestle at twenty or twenty six? They. It was. I. I don't know for sure. I would guess probably twenty six. It was a, a PA Power like kind of showcase yeah. event called True Power. Yep, so yep. I don't know. I don't know exactly what the weigh in. Procedure. procedures are but usually those type of events it's like i don't know agree on a weight or whatever so i'm not sure what they what the weigh-in situation was for that Got but, it. um but yeah 120 is a great weight class uh and 126 but i mean the, the big question at 120 is that jacks forest luke lillard all match uh for them to make it through the bracket to one another forest would have to wrestle dragon orine in the round of 16 which that's, wild. that's not an easy matchup in the round of 16. Then Forrest would have either Kale Peterson or Jordan Rainey in a quarterfinal. Those guys are both really good. Jordan Rainey, people that don't remember, he was, uh, well, both the Rainey brothers, but I think probably especially Jordan really kind of announced his presence at Fargo. Even though yeah. he didn't win, he pinned Bo Bassett in like the round of 32. And then it's like, okay, these, these brothers are here for real. Um, the other one won. The other one won it at 106. Jaden won. Yeah, he won it at 106. Didn't they both win Greco? They may have uh, both won know. Greco. I don't watch Greco. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, so then that's – I mean, so Forrest would either have Peterson or Rainey in the quarter, and then semifinals, Jake Krabs, who was a semi here last year, or Marcus Blaze. I didn't Blaise. realize yeah. – hold on. Did you realize that Rainey also tech-followed Cooper Hilton? No. When was that? It was Fargo. It was two matches. So he beat Bassett in the round of 32. Okay. He tech called Cooper Hill in fourteen to three in the quarterfinals. Okay, when you said he, Cooper he Hilton, lost to Marcus Blaze. When you said Cooper Hilton, my mind went to Cooper Flynn, and I was like, "What?" Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cooper Flynn. That's yeah, that's what kid. I know. That's yeah. why I was surprised. Um, okay, yeah, yeah, I do remember that. Uh, okay, but dude, listen to that path. Jacks Forrest. He would have to go Orine, then either Rainey or Peterson, then either Jay Craps, who was a finalist here last year, or Marcus Blaze, who is. Maybe the only person I know who has wins over Anthony Knox and Luke Lillidall. Like, that's that's Jack's Forrest's path. So, yeah, if you're looking for a bracket that's awesome, I mean, Jack's Forrest is electric to watch, but he's going to have really good tests all the way through this bracket. And then on the other side, Lillidall uh, would, would have um, probably Christian Fretwell in the round of 16. His quarterfinal is either going to be uh, – Gage Botero, who's been wrestling lights out 
looking great. He was third in Fargo. Um, he split he yeah. split matches recently with with uh, Bo Bassett. Um, so either he would either have him or Cooper Hilton. That's interesting because Hilton and Lillidall, teammates last year, really familiar with each other. That's just through the quarters. And then his semi would be either Vinny Kilcher or Alan Kohler. What's that? Who left? You said teammates last year. Hilton. Where'd he go? Uh, I, I'm trying to remember where Hilton's at right now. Uh, I can't I'll, keep up with all these high school moves. I know. You got to keep me up to date. I know. But that's crazy, right? Lillidall's path is like just as tough as yeah. Forrest's. Um, yeah, that's a great weight class, 120 pounds. It's like sure. it's it's awesome because you know we get the if we get that final, it's a true mat, you know who's number one matchup. But they both are going to have to go through gauntlets. Nobody's getting an easy path. Um, so yeah, I, I love 120. I love 182. Um, Cowboy fans, Oklahoma State fans are going to like this way because it's Braden Thompson and AJ Heeg. And it so could be a potential future roster battle there between those two. Then toss in future Cyclone Tate Noctaborn and also Red Orgotsky. And I think those semis and then finals set up to be pretty crazy. Yeah. Braden Thompson has, you know, he's become like the pretty clear number one in the country right now. But um, he, he, he hasn't seen a lot of the guys in this bracket just for, for weird, I don't know, for whatever reason. Well, because he was 170 he, last year. Because he was 170 last year. And but then he did seniors at the Open. <laughs> but then the crazy thing was he could have seen. I want to say he actually lost to Tate two years ago at Folk Sound Nationals. He did. Yep. Okay. He did lose I'm pretty to sure him. that was right. Because Nocturne won it and and, uh, yes. and Thompson was third and Nocturne, I think, beat him. I think it was a semi when they when they wrestled. How do I spell? Um, I, I was gonna, I was gonna Google it, and then I'm trying to spell this dude's name. I can't, his name, I can't spell it. <laughs> yeah. What the hell do you, how do you spell this damn name? But like, it's so two K, two A's and a K and a T together. Yeah, but Braden Thompson could have seen a few of these guys at Elite Eight duels. He and Gabe Arnold were splitting. They were on the same team, so like uh, yeah. they were trading off, going 82 or 95, and so he got a bunch of good matches, but he just didn't see a lot of these guys. So. His round of 16 match, Braden Thompson's round of 16 match would be Kingsley Menifee, who's a ranked guy. He's coming down from 195, and and so he didn't. Thompson didn't wrestle him at Elite Eight Duels. Um, then his his quarterfinal would be either C.J. Walrath, who's ranked, or Nate Taylor, who's really tough. And then his semi would be either A.J. Heeg or Timothy McDonald. And so that Oklahoma State on Oklahoma State match would be would be potentially a semifinal. Yeah, uh well however you say his name, knock knock to board and or whatever yep. beat uh Braden Thompson uh in the second round at Folks on Nationals twenty twenty one. Yeah. That was in the second round. No, well, huh? Oh wait, I wanna say they wrestled again at the Donnybrook. Yep, and then he beat him at the Donnybrook. Yeah, Thompson won at the Donnybrook. Yes. Over overtime match. though. It was a good match. Mm-hmm. That match wouldn't happen until the finals. Noctaborn has a pretty tough side, and Noctaborn could potentially have a, a semifinal with Ryder Rogatsky. Noctaborn beat Rogatsky for third at Fargo, and it was like a, I think it was an 8 8 criteria match. So, Ryder Rogatsky matches are that, that you just don't know what to expect. Like, Wild. yeah, it's was like, it him and Soldano last yes. year's Super 32 that is one of the most bonkers matches? Oh, that was crazy. Yeah, like Saldana. he's like literally running in and like purposely holding on to the leg and not getting the takedown. Yeah, Saldano's trying to cut him, and 
Rogatsky's just like laying flat and then just like hooks his ankle so that <laughs> Soldano can't cut him. And Red Rogatsky will like, you know, his one of his go to moves from bottom is just reach back for the lat whip. Like he'll just he'll that's, do that's day it's one actually getting stuff. reasonably popular. Like uh, there's, you know, uh, Hamidi does it, for example. Mm-hmm. There's kind of a, a decent amount of kids who do it. And um, obviously reaching back, this is a, a bad idea in wrestling mostly. But if you really understand wrestling at a high level, it's really not that bad of an idea. Yeah. This is making middle school wrestling coaches throughout the country furious. <laughs> no, but you know, their, I mean, you know when people lines, use it. They've ever known the foundation You know when people use it is when, when guys are going deep claw, because think about it, they got that claw arm, so they grab the claw arm and then reach back. Obviously, you got to be kind of flexible, right, with your shoulders to get back to the other side of the body too. And then they have the arm and they have the lat. And really, all the all the top person would have the post is the you know is the the leg out there. But they you know they can get a lot of whip there and pull, and it can it can cause some issues. Yeah. So Rogowski's going to have to you know if he can get past Noctaborn, then that sets up that potential finals match. And I I think it's really interesting because the first time you wrestle a guy like Ryder Rogowski is probably the most difficult time, you know, when you haven't yes. felt that you haven't experienced it. And, uh, so I, I would kind of love to see that match in the finals just, just because I think it'll be really interesting. And, um, Rogatsky won this tournament last year. Uh, sorry to say beat, beat Clayton Whiting in the finals. Um, I think Clayton got him back though at, uh, he got him back like Minnesota, what, Minnesota Christmas, Christmas tournament, yep. I believe. Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah, he definitely did. That was after Clayton Whiting was beaten, you know, college starters and stuff yeah (laughs) yeah yeah so that's a that's a really good weight um and i would i mean i would just i'm very always very curious to see what Ryder rogatsky is going to do but uh yeah it'll be fun and rogatsky's young too still he's still like a junior right or no am i wrong on that rogatsky is let me i think he's a senior this year um i was thinking he was younger but maybe i'm wrong he's a senior this year yeah Okay. It's going to Navy. Navy, man. Mm-hmm. Ready to make a hero. That's right. I'm, maybe I'm. I'm oh, I've been meaning to harass you. I forgot. I told, hey, listen, I totally blanked. Hey, you haven't updated Mr. Bray, because uh, JD said this is all your fault. He literally said, like, <laughs> I'm sure it is. What, what did I, you haven't updated thought? the class of 2024 uh, big boy ranking since, I think it's April. Yeah, we got to do that. Got to get on it. Got to get on it. Maybe nice. I'm just a sucker, but I think one of, maybe if not the, my the match I'm looking forward to most is a potential Anthony Knox Bassett rematch, just to see if uh, yeah. Bassett has been able to make any adjustments, change anything up. Because when they met last time, it was pretty much all Knox. Yeah, and I mean Knox. Very one sided. I I think Knox is he's one of the best high school wrestlers in the country at at like creating a tactical game plan um he has real he has coaches that are good at that too and uh, mario mason is is in his corner and and really good at helping him develop those plans but you could see last year that he knew top was going to be a big factor he knew if he could get a turn that was going to like it's going to open things but really open things up and uh and then it would I don't know. It just it just allowed him to mitigate the hand fight. He also was just living on the legs, which if if you're wrestling somebody who's constantly trying to hand fight you and snap you down and you know 
take take life out of you through the hand fight and you can get it to legs and you can finish or get to legs and end up stalemating positions like it's just it really takes away that that weapon so i think he's super good at game planning now baz is going to have had the opportunity to regroup and work on the bottom position um so i don't think it'll be exactly the same match but uh i don't know what adjustments do you think do you guys think we'll see from bassett yeah, it'd be interesting. And uh, he's been kind of on fire this fall. Um, I saw his results. I mean, obviously, because he had that, you know, well, he won World Title two years ago. So people were holding him to a very high threshold of success. And then, you know, he he didn't make the team because he lost to Lillardall rather convincingly twice. And then he lost to Fargo twice. And so people were like, wow, okay, maybe he wasn't quite on the level that we thought he was. But then this fall, he's really been smashing people. So, um Obviously, no one at the level of Anthony Knox, so I guess we'll we'll see what happens. But like he lost to Gage Batero this summer, and I think he got, I want to say, a couple wins over him. Maybe and I think I kind of saw the results somewhere. He, dude. So yeah, he he lost to Gage Botero for third in Fargo, and then wrestled him. I think at the Ultimate Club Duels, and I think he, I think Bassett majored him. Which yeah, like Botero, Botero's Tough. really good. He's. Yes. He's up to number six in the country. Um, you know, Patero is one of the few guys that went to Elite Eight duels and didn't take a loss. He had, you know, he beat Kale Lordson, beat Nate Desmond, be, beat a yes. bunch of really good guys. Like, this is this is no joke, and Bassett majored him. So, um, yeah, Bassett's made some really – I think he's made some improvements. Uh, I, I know, you know, the match didn't go his way last year, but I, I'm very curious to see it again. But another thing to think about in that weight is – Bassett's semifinal would be potentially Leo DeLuca, who, you know, it's a little bit of a clash of styles. That's no easy, no easy match for either guy. So I would really love to see that semifinal too. Yeah, definitely. Should be a fun week class. How many, okay, what percentage of the guys do you think that are seated or in the brackets now do you think will not make weight? I'm sorry, not make, not weigh in, right? Because obviously some people, you know, they enter and then they get hurt or whatever. Yeah, because you have to enter so early. I you think that'll. So I think that'll happen. I do think that um, a, a a good number of guys that have been injured or whatever have like pulled themselves out of the of the seeds. I know. Oh, they really? Yeah, Gabe Arnold was seated. He got hurt. He's no. out. Um, he hasn't finished a tournament in a minute. Yeah. Well, yeah. He wrestled. Yeah, a tournament. It's a good. Finished a tournament. I said. Like he lead eight duels. He wrestled seven matches. That's you know. Yeah. That's but it's not a tournament. So, but yeah, yeah, good point. Um, Jezaroga has an injury that he's dealing with, so he pulled out. But so I think oh, guys, yeah, one I should, I guess I should notice that, huh? Yeah. So guys are kind of, I think they're letting people know when they're a lot of them are, but there definitely will be people who just, I mean, you don't, it's not, not like you're going to get your money back, so they're just probably not going to, yeah, not going to bother. I don't know what percentage won't 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 show up. Um, I don't know. Hopefully, less than ten. Yeah, because that 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 factor where you have to—I mean, what is it's like? I want to say it's then it's greater than a month ago. It, it was a while ago where they had to like you know they they end that early registration period and then anyone can sign up. That mm-hmm. was quite a while ago. Yeah, yeah, it's been a long time. Yeah. It's been locked in. But yeah, I've seen—I mean, I've seen weight weight changes. I've seen um, you know scratches, things like that have developed. So hopefully, hopefully, people are are communicating about that stuff. Yeah, for sure. Bray, give us some guy who maybe the national fan hasn't heard of yet, 
not real familiar, on the radar, who you think could have a good tournament and get on the national radar? Um, so, I mean, one guy that, that I think people should be watching who, who just had a big weekend but now, at, uh, at uh, Elite Eight Duels, but now it's like a question of, all right, is this guy like What's national that? level, national level or not, is Latrell Schaefer. Um, he beat oh, Ladarian. He, yeah, he beat Ladarian Lockett at Elite Eight Duels, but he had lost to him at at U uh, Seventeen Trials, and he. But the same weekend that he beat Lockett, he took three losses himself. So, it's like, where is this guy at? You know, is mm-hmm. he is like is he is he he's right now? I think ranked in the top ten. But if he if he kept moving up, if he beat Lockett again, I mean, that wouldn't surprise me the way that he won that match. But if he took you know didn't place, like that wouldn't surprise me either. So. Schaefer's a guy that, you know, Georgia guy, people should keep their eyes on him. Um, pay attention because I think it's really interesting what, you know, where that guy's going to end up. Okay, good pull. Now, Ben, a question for you. This is from Uh-oh. Kurt. And I don't. Kurt admit, from Georgia. Why doesn't AWA send a lot of people or value Super 32 more? Um, well, this is actually a big debate between me, me and my brother. Um, you know, we don't get a, We don't uh, see eye to eye on everything. Um, and this will be one of them. Uh, and I'll just kind of give you both sides of the argument. So Max thinks post Fargo should be a period for development where you're working on new skills and trying to build yourself as a wrestler. Right. And so he says, well, we don't really need to go to compete at all these national level tournaments. And actually, generally, I agree with them, especially like at a younger age. Um, you know, we'll say before 10th grade, I don't think you need to compete at national level events year round. Like some people do. Um, and so, and I agree with them on the part about developing wrestlers. The other part that I don't agree with, however, is that it's like even if you're not trying to peak your guy, like for Fargo, we're really trying to peak him. Okay, fall, we're trying to develop, and but that doesn't mean they can't go wrestle still. You know, like yeah, you're not going to see the very best version of Aiden Sinclair or Noah Mulvaney, but that's fine, right? They're still going to go compete and see what happens, and we're going to make judgments on on how the new skills are doing. Um, so, you know, right now, Max has a lot of the really good guys are kind of hit home base as his. Uh, Mir Sol is in Millard, et cetera. So they just, they're not going to go. So that'd probably be the majority of them. Yeah. So. Okay. Plus, we got some good matches at uh, the PL. We got some really good matches in September. Was it September 24? And then a bunch of our guys got a bunch of matches at the AWA Duels last week. So we get a little bit of competition. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's just kind of how Max sees it. Um, and, and I don't disagree with him, honestly. I wish you know the I could push the high school season back like you know another month or six weeks and then move Super Thirty Two later, but I can't. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, we mentioned Aiden Sinclair. He's coming up. He won a Fargo title at one eighty two, and now he's up at one ninety five. Uh, yeah. He, he wrestled both Mirasolas at AWA Duels. What, what was that? Yeah. Like, what was that like for him? Like I'm, I'm sure they're pretty familiar. I don't know how often yeah. he trains with them, but they've got to be pretty familiar. What was that? I don't know. What'd you see from those matches? And also just kind of, I don't know, was that, did that have the feel of like a, almost like a, a college wrestle off or, or what did that, what was that like? Um, yeah. I mean, they, they, they compete hard against each other. Um, yeah. So they don't train at the same location most of the time. But I know we had a, I had a big guys Friday group last spring. And so they were training at least one day a week together. I know Aiden goes up to Mequon sometimes. Uh, and then Connor and Cole come no down party, on Sunday. Like a big boy so. party. <laughs> so we'll say at least at least a couple times a week they train together. Um, yeah, so you know Aiden was able to score clean on his attack. I mean, the difference was Aiden was able to score clean on his attacks, and 
when Connor and Cole got in, Aiden was able to fend them off, right? And he and it was like a couple times they were in pretty deep, and he had some really kind of high level defense, good balance, good hips, and uh, and not got scored on, you know. And then um, he really probably two years ago he was really like not super great on bottom, and Cole and Connor are both pretty damn tough on top, and, and Aiden. Um, has really been improving on bottom. So, um, you know, where he got out fast on, on both of them and they're, and they're both pretty good on top. Yeah. And they, I mean, they, they, they both seem, the mirror soul as well seemed like plenty big for the weight. And that, I yeah. was curious about this, just the size and how Aiden would handle some of these bigger guys, but you know, guys that have been a little bit bigger for a little bit longer, like Correa or McDaniel, uh, you know, do you have any, concerns or does he, how does he no. feel against strength big guys life, like that no. yeah he's got the strength he's, he's powerful yeah no no i'm not concerned about strength things at all and then yeah mirasol actually aren't that big i mean the well the one cole is finally starting to grow he was he like when he wrestled 195 this summer uh and this is where it's kind of like the rankings a little bit aren't fair when he wrestled 195 this summer he was like 189 but he didn't want to be the same weight as his brother right so he's wrestling up and then when he wrestled 202 at uww cadets I think he weighed in at like 187. Yeah. You know, but he didn't want to wrestle 176 because that's where his brother was. So he's wrestling like 15 pounds underweight against uh, who's that one big dude for Florida? Uh, Sawyer Bartlett or yep. whatever, right? Like yep. he's gigantic. So, um, you know, he was kind of taking a little bit of a like, hey, I'm way smaller than these guys, but I'm still going to go compete. But he is, he is finally starting to grow. Uh, I want to say he actually had to lose a few pounds. The weight class was, well, the, all, the other thing was we kind of screwed ourselves with AWA tools because. Uh, last year, everyone's request was to take one upper weight out because there was the most forfeits. Yeah. So we went 175, 195 heavyweight. Okay. Um, which left Mirasol and Mirasol and Sinclair all at 195 because there was, you know, none of them are small enough to go down. Um, so, yeah. So we had to have, uh, you know, they're on three different teams. Did uh, did the brothers wrestle each other? They did not. Okay. Yeah, um, they, don't, they don't do that. All right. Well, I wondered. So okay, yep. well that'll be great, man. His his path is very fun. He'll get probably Jude Correa in in a quarterfinal, and then, yep. and then you know maybe Rune Lawrence in a semi, and then we'll see who comes out the other side, McDaniel or Delegata or somebody else. But I'm I'm very interested to see Sinclair at at the tournament. So it should be good. Yeah, he's not. I mean, he's not huge for 195. Like he's about 195 ish, and he's not like trying to diet at all. But um, he just he sees his future as, as getting bigger. So he's like a kind of hey, one and I just get bigger. And you know, obviously it's 13 pounds that down in the next weight class, and so it's it's kind of a ways. Um, so he just wants to get bigger and stronger. Yeah. Um, hey, one other thing that that people should be paying attention to as before brackets come out is at a bunch of weights, there are nationally ranked guys, which who are not seated. So they're just going to be like just complete landmines in the bracket. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. Just some, some, in some cases there were more nationally ranked guys than there were seeds. And in other cases um, they just, for whatever reason, didn't, I don't know, didn't get a seed. Um, But, but yeah, like at 113. Number 11, Brandon Morvari, number 17, Drew Ayala, and number 18, Jake Knight are all unseated. So that weight class. I thought they were deeper on seeds this tournament. Didn't they go to like 20 in one year or something just to make sure everyone got seated? That was like, because, you know, because obviously, say having one of these matches in the round 256 is preposterous. I know, but that, that could happen. 
It definitely could okay. happen. I I think last year we had like a first or second round matchup between between Angelo Ferrari and uh, who did he lose? That was the match that he lost early. Oh, um, it was uh, was it, it wasn't Gibson, was it? No, it was it was a uh, guy from Florida. Uh, why is it? Why am I blanking on his name right now? Oh, not the kid that uh, was that kid's name. I'm blanking on it also. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was him. Um, What's his on. damn name? The kid that uh, he all married with one fifty juniors. Jonathan Lay. Oh, that's not who I was thinking of. I was thinking of um, uh, where did he go to college? No, I'm blanking. Jeez Louise. Yeah, but like so, so Ferrari lost early to Jonathan Lay because Ferrari was unseated, and I mean he's you know, and then he on the backside he beat Kilich, who's at Arizona State now, Mesenbrink, who we all know, yep. Eric Gibson, who's at Cornell now, Vafiatis, who's Where's Vafiatis? Um, Navy. Navy. Uh, and then Sloan Swan. He beat all those guys, and then and then beat Jonathan Lay uh, for I think for third. So I mean that that's yeah that's that kind of stuff happens in this tournament all the time. But but yeah. So as you look through that preview, go ahead and you know keep an eye out for those unseated guys because uh, it yeah it's it's going to be you know when the brackets come out, you're going to want to figure out where those guys are because that's where a lot of the early chaos will be. So much chaos. All right, I think that does it for Super 32 Talk. Thank you, Bray. I thought you were trying to quit the show. I thought you might have some tacos or something waiting for you. No, not today. I might still get tacos, maybe for lunch. <laughs> but we got questions to get to first. So many questions. Let's do it. From the real Avery Lynch. If Ben Russell's at Midlands, who would be in his corner? The people need to know. Uh, who would be in my corner? Well, I might, I might make them high school kids be in my corner just since they made me wrestle. <laughs> <laughs> that would uh, that would not be fun. Uh, they for might a have a tournament kid, though. Getting, but... Losing to Ben Askren with college kids in his, or with high school kids in his corner. Yeah, be funny. I mean, what about, uh, what about your actual kids? They're pretty smart. Ozzy, hell no, he, he would not be able to stay in the corner. He'd start running, running around or doing something wild. Somebody Wolf Graham in the chat says it looks like Ben's been battling. Speaking of Ozzy, I Charlie Millard attacked me last <laughs> uh, last weekend. Uh, but yeah, I listen. I do this. My neck is so strong, right? Maybe not against Damian Maya, unfortunately, but against most of these kids, <laughs> they try to choke me. I don't even need my arms, so I just punk them and I just put my chin on them, and then they they can't choke me. And, uh, but he he was trying hard. Hit him with the with the Adonis. <laughs> yeah, with the chin. Hit him with the chin. Um, this is from Andrew Spain. Who knows how many Americans were both on the 2019 junior men's freestyle team and the 2022 U23 men's freestyle world team? I think it's just... It seems like a trick question. Wait, say that again? The 2019 junior world team. So who... who they were on both teams is what they're saying, and right? And is now on the U23 world team. So I'm assuming by the question, there it, it happened kind of a lot. I think it's just two. I think it's just David Carr and Vito. Hmm. Maybe uh, I am misremembering, but anyways, hmm. that'll be that. U23 start on Monday, very Next early. Week. Yes, so watch those. Um, I think they start with Greco, then women's freestyle, and then conclude with men's freestyle going into uh, the weekend. Now, a lot of times U23s are, I don't know, like the team that the U.S. sends is – well, I don't know. No, no, there's great. not always a ton of investment into this event, but we've got some serious, serious guys going this year. Yeah. This year it's going to be quite loaded. We've got 
Vito and Russia there too. Yeah, we're we're gonna bring home a lot of hardware. It's Vito at fifty seven, Aaron Nagal at sixty one, Cole Matthews at sixty five, Yaya Thomas at seventy, David Carr at seventy four, Carter Starachi at seventy nine, Trent Hadley. Trent Hadley was on that team. Was Yaya on that team as well? Uh, no, I don't think so. That's what I'm saying. The guy had it had to be a, a bunch of the guys. Yes, he was. Yaya yes, was on that team too. So we're looking at four. He beat Keegan to make that team. Oh, don't bring it up. <laughs> Keegan, he was just too powerful. Ke- Keegan could not figure out how to get get through him. Oh, Tanner Sloan was on that team too. Dude, come on. That's what I'm saying. Was Cassiope? No, Mason Paris was uh, the heavyweight. Oh, that was when he beat Zare, and I never stopped talking about That's it. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> How could you forget? <laughs> so I think five. Uh, Jacob Cardenas is at 92 this year. Tanner Sloan, 97. Tony Cassiope, 125. That's crazy. So it, we're going to be bringing home a lot of hardware. I, I'm really curious what Starachi is going to look like at at U23s. I mean, we haven't uh, seen this guy He's going to destroy everybody, I feel like. Yeah. Maybe not everybody. Yeah. Maybe he'll – I'm not exactly sure. What the field's going to look like? Yeah. Who will – what do you like, Iranian? It probably depends on who Iran brings, right? Yeah. Especially at 79. At like 57, 61, 65, you know, you could maybe get – a good Japanese dude or something, but at seventy nine. Yeah. It's basically yeah, a lot a lot of those other countries don't like they're not as heavy into U twenty three and then they're not as heavy into the non Olympic weights. So um yeah. Sixty five is actually probably... pretty good. Um like Tavanian will be there. I know. Yeah. Um seventy possibly, maybe Yaz. So we talked okay. a little bit about that show about U twenty threes on what was that, Tuesday? I yeah. think so. Go back and rewatch that show if you want to dive deeper into that. This one's from Ben Randolph. Who will win a national title first? Iowa's heavyweight or Penn State's 125? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good question. Uh, I mean, it's got to be Iowa because you at least have Cassiope with a couple more shots, and there's no one in the foreseeable future with Penn State, you know? So it's like mm-hmm. if we're talking likelihoods, they're both – very low likelihoods but if you're talking the you know which one's greater it's probably iowa right i would uh, think so yeah i mean cassiope has like an actual chance this year yes so yeah um i mean cassiope so it's pretty clear gable's not coming back at this point right so mm-hmm. cassiope uh you could foreseeably see him beating i mean i could see him losing to all these guys but I could see him beating well, – he beats uh, Greg every time. But I could see him beating Colton Schultz and Mason Paris. I could see it going the other way also. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Iowa. All right. From Siowa, 14. Any news out of Ames about Zach Redding, Panera Johnson, and Cam Robinson? It's easy to forget. Redding took third at Big 12 as a true freshman in 2021 and redshirted last year. But I don't know where he fits into the lineup. And Johnson and Cam are also talented. Yeah, um, I think Redding is very weren't talented. You just in, weren't you just in Ames, I JD? Was, I was. Redding, Redding is there. I think I think he's just stuck. He, uh, hmm. They've got uh, Ramazan at 33 and now Swiderski at 41. And so I, I just uh. I don't think he can fit in. Panera Johnson was there looking looking sharp. He, he knows he's got to work on his cardio. He brought it up. He I, did. That was great. He brought that up in the interview. But 
Cam, Cam, uh, Cam was in the room working out as well, so they're definitely going to be in a roster battle for 149, which is one of the bigger holes, I think, Iowa State, or maybe not holes, but question marks, um, Iowa State is going to have. So you think De Niro oh. goes 57, not 49? I think it goes 49. Okay, so, so, yeah. then, so then who goes 57? Judge. Okay. Um, how did Guyton, Judge how did Guyton look? Guyton looked good. He was working out a lot with Manny Rojas. Um, so he's bigger. Yeah. He's not a 57 option? No. Okay. I don't think so. Um, Ian, hey, Ross Patton in the chat brought up something really important. Iowa also has Ben Keeter coming. So I don't know if, I don't know if the football coach is going to let this man put, wrestle. But if he does, I mean, we're, talk, we're talking a few years down the road here. Um, but that would be we're a foreseeable prospect. Champ. To, to win an NCAA title, yes. Yeah, he could do it. Yeah. All right, that does it for the Twitter questions. However, we do have a couple voicemails. I definitely want to get to this first one, Tyler, from Tyrell. Let's go, Tyrell. Hey, guys. Tyrell from Indiana here. I have a solution for the whole team title thing. <laughs> have the seeds for the dual team title be determined by the individual title tournament. So the top four places or top two placers in the individual tournament, that's who you take and do your dual team tournament with. All right, thanks, guys. No, hate it. You can't do it after. When I was living in Nebraska, they did their high school du- dual tournament after. Nobody gave a rip because you peaked for the individual. Really, tournament. Wisconsin does there, and every, everyone loves it. Really? Yeah, the week it's the week after, and, and it's packed, and people get excited. Um, but I hate it, JD, because if we're going to say they're different things, if we're truly going to say these are two different entity things, right? Let's make them two different things. Like, let's make the dual season first and have the dual national, dual national title in like January, and then wrestle the, some tournaments in January and February and then have the national title in, in March. It's It's simple. Yeah, and the, I mean the other part of it is like you see de- definitely I don't know not all the time but with some level of regularity teams that are going to do so much better in a in a tournament format and then like in a duel it's like get yes. out of here like those teams that American had get out of yeah. here those teams yeah. that American had back in the day where they you know have a couple two or three high all Americans but like that's it and those are bad uh, was the other what, thing. The other thing here, Bray, is if you had uh, if you had the, the the duels at a completely separate time, um, you would get like some weight switching around and some game gamesmanship there, which would be a lot of fun, um, you know. Whereas if it's right next to the tournament or intertwined with the NCAA tournament somehow, you're not going to see that. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I don't know. I, I, I like, I like the idea of a dual season that. You know that has like a playoff structure that that is maybe a little bit like a little bit like a, what you see in other sports. I mean, um, where you have a you know the higher seated team maybe gets the home home crowd advantage, and so I think yes. that'd be you know capitalize on those fan bases. Like that would be a really cool thing. Yes. Um, I don't yeah we've been like watching the baseball playoffs a little bit, and it's just like home crowds, man. You get excited. People people are into it. Is your really are. World Series champ? Um, man. I, I I think Houston probably right now. Wow, you love cheaters. I well, who doesn't? <laughs> <laughs> they probably all cheat. Let's be honest. Jerry Underwood. 
Yeah, that's, that's a great point. <laughs> Gary Underwood would be keying the cars of all the players <laughs> in the parking lot of the Houston Astros. Uh, all right, let's get to another voicemail. Connor from Tennessee has a question. Hey, guys, it's Connor from uh, Cleveland, Tennessee, the, uh, the mecca of wrestling in, in Tennessee. Um, got a comment on something Ben's been talking about recently Uh-oh. where he thinks that Kale's not paying enough attention to maybe the backups that are in the room. Not what I said. Um, coming from a four, four-time JV wrestler, uh, I think it might be more of a mental thing. I was going to get your comments on it because uh, I really never realized how I was improving because I was in a room getting beat up every day um, until you would we would take our JV team to a low-level varsity tournament and then win that tournament. Um, so just, just wondering your thoughts there. Maybe it's something that's uh, maybe a mental block rather than a, uh, a, a coaching uh, or, or lack of coaching for those guys. Um, love the show. Appreciate it. Um. I think I I now I think what he's saying is correct about the the mental block of uh you know so we see this all the time in the fall where guys are together with each other for months and and uh there's not really any outside tournaments because they can't see how much better they're getting because everyone's getting better at the same time um and so I, that that's a thing but for the kale situation no I stick with I stick with my thesis that he really puts a lot of emphasis on the top 10 guys and sometimes there's some weights where if there's an injury or whatever that they kind of have a not so great guy when it's and it's different than the situation he's talking about where it's like the jv team you know could have success if you if they had the mat time like but this is we're talking about starters who you know there's just a massive gap in, in like level of performance between one starter and another starter. It's not like these guys that are in the, you know, that are backups or whatever. So I think it's a little bit of a different situation, but uh, that is that backup thing, I think is a separate question. And it's kind of interesting. Um, I I heard a a coach and I don't want to like talk about specific athletes just because I don't know, but one coach was talking about like the effect that it has for a good guy to be like the training partner, especially for international competition for, for another guy that makes the team. And he was saying he's hesitant to, to put a really good college guy sometimes as the training partner for, for an international guy, because they start to learn like uh, the mentality, like the workouts about this other guy, like the workout, I'm the, yeah. I'm the, the drill partner. I'm the, you know, the beta or whatever in this, in this scenario. Yeah. And he's like, I don't want my good guys, my all American level guys to develop that type of an approach, um, to their training. And so he, he was like, yeah, I don't like, hungry. yeah, he's like, I don't like, Starving. I don't like some of my good guys <laughs> being the training partner for, you know, for this guy that made the team. But I, I'm curious, have you seen that before Ben? Uh, no, that, that's definitely a thing too. It's, it's pretty, it's, it'd be a pretty unique situation where, uh, a guy can be a clear number two and take ass whoopings every day and still keep that same like confidence level of like I'm a killer, I'm really good. You know who this happened happened to actually is Mulvaney. Really? Um, well yeah, Mulvaney was practicing with Keegan like for a while and then Jack Ganos, who was a really you know, I think mm-hmm. he made the national rankings a couple times with you guys. Yep. Uh and Mulvaney was younger and he was just getting his ass kicked all the time. And, and you know, he was the freaking man in middle school and then he go, you know, you're in the room with 
Keegan and uh, Jack and Mitchell. And then there was also another D1 guy, Mason Deal, who went to Little Rock, who's there right now. And so he just it, what, he was having success at the tournaments, but not winning a lot in the room. And I, you know, last year I kind of got on. I'm like, no, freaking, you're the man. Let's freaking do this. You know, like, don't forget who you are just because they beat you up a little bit. And so I had to really get on him about it. So, yeah, that's a thing. Um, and so I know one thing I do as a coach is like, I would never, like, if it was say Mitchell, like Mitchell's going to probably beat everyone in the room. I'm going to make sure he goes to a few different people. So he's not with the same person, beat them up every single day. That, that, that is a thing for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. It makes sense. It's just like, I, I don't think a lot of average fans think about that. Cause you're just like, well, get the best partner you can get the best competition you can. No, that's a, that's a terrible idea. Mm-hmm. All right, good voicemails. If you want to send in your own voicemail, you can do it, 515-509-5071. That'll also be in the episode description, so you don't have to write it down or anything. We also got an email that I want to hit on. This one's from Jeff. Hey, guys, after watching Diggs World Final, I was wondering, what makes it so hard for refs to call him for passivity? Does he do the perfect amount to never get hit? I'm personally a big Burroughs fan, and I was wondering what he would have to do to get those passivity calls. I think this one's easy, right? Yeah, it's control him at. Okay, he controls the center. Yes. He is an immovable object. Correct. Burroughs will, you know, back up as he's jabbing with his hands and then f- to fire off that double. Dake is like, no, I'm not backing up. <laughs> He'll take ground. But he still does get hit for passivity every now and then just because sometimes he doesn't score. But... Yeah, he doesn't give up ground. Control center of the map. That's yeah. what matters in freestyle. And it's yeah, that exactly. It's like that idea of like not doing enough or not. Do, that's not that's not what the refs are thinking about in freestyle. It's not like oh, how many shots has this guy taken or whatever. It's just control of the center of the mat. Yes. And then before we go, Ben, I may or may not be on next week. It depends on the internet situation. It may or may it depends on the internet situation at U twenty threes. Sometimes at these, especially age-level yeah. international events, it can be be hit or miss. I, I want to join. I think the schedule is going to allow for it. It just depends on, like I said, the internet. But just in case I'm not, I want to get some quick UFC 280 thoughts and takes okay. from you. You know what? I'm actually gonna. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to watch UFC 280 live. I was just. Uh, talking to uh, i was talking to keegan and peyton yesterday because i'm going to be at mizzou i'm doing a little bit of my book hey my book's coming out two weeks when? but i'm doing two a little book tour so one of the things i'm doing is going to homecoming at mizzou and i'm doing you know the doing some of the football game going to wrestling practice um going to the, mizzou, the wrestling tailgate and stuff like that and then i realized ufc 280 because it's in abu dhabi is a one at 1 p.m start and the football game is for a 3 me p.m start so i'm like damn it last time i was overseas uh, was when tomorrow, oh, unfortunately, got knocked out. I know, and it was at like, it was from like midnight to like six a.m. or whatever, yeah, two a.m. to six a.m., seven a.m. Um, let's see. So just, I mean, it's a really good card. So I guess I'll just take the top three fights. Uh, Jan versus O'Malley. O'Malley, we talked about, is taking a huge jump up. Peter Jan's really good. Um, but he obviously is primarily a striker, and, and so is O'Malley. So I think O'Malley has a chance, but I'm, I'm gonna, I think Jan's probably too good. Um, Aljamain and Dillashaw. Um, I think Aljamain wins. I think he's a little bigger. Uh, 
I think he can win in the grappling exchanges if if he takes TJ down, and he might not be able to. Is TJ um, past his prime? Probably. He's. I mean, TJ. I don't know. He looks young. He did a great job of aging. Um, but because uh, he's like my age, like he he isn't young. Um, wow. Uh, Still with both his okay. natural hips. Truly, a little incredible. bit younger than me. Well, you know what? One of the things I thought I I thought getting old was uh was um. I thought too much of getting old, you know, and then once I got my hip done, I realized most of it was just my hip. <laughs> my <laughs> hip was like, it was making my whole body sore, you know, like, and uh, once I got that done and now, now honestly, I feel way better than like the, the multiple years prior, prior to getting hip done. So I just thought like I was super sore all the time because I was getting older, but it was actually just because my hip was effing everything up, unfortunately. Um, I preemptively and, get my hip replaced. <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> a couple fresh hips. I'll, Oliveira and Mat, uh, Makachev. Um, I'm gonna go Oliveira. He's just been so good. I, I could see Makachev winning. Uh, who knows? Maybe he is the next Khabib. But uh, Oliveira has just been so. I mean, his, his the streak that he's been on um, is he's on just. Heater. He's on. He is on a heater. That is. I mean, yeah, that's for sure. He's beat. Let me. I'm gonna find this list for you real quick of who he's beaten because he's won like what, ten in a row. I'm I'm almost there. Hold on. Yeah, he's beaten. Gaethje, Poirier, Chandler, Ferguson, Lee, Jared Gordon, Nick Lentz. I mean, he's just like heater for sure. It, it's weird to see a guy go on a run like this so late in his career. Yeah. I mean, this was not the trajectory leading up to it. Yeah, I mean, he had a hot start. But then the other thing people uh, I think people forget about him is he was he was really young. I mean, he's still only 32. Right, and this guy's been around forever. He got in the UFC. Hold on, we got in the UFC. What year? He got in the UFC. Two thousand, two thousand and ten. So that's twelve years. He was nineteen or twenty years old, you know. Um, and he was doing a lot of bad weight cutting. I remember he made, he was at one forty five and he would miss weight. So like he was just really inconsistent with his weight cut. And I think it's one of those things where and in wrestling because we compete so often so young most people have their competition routines and their competition mindset figured out say by the time they get to college and it's pretty it's pretty rare when you see someone who's kind of all over the place competitively mm-hmm. but when you think of someone like this who got to the UFC at age 20 um and he probably hadn't had hundreds of competitions under his belt right you know maybe a few jujitsu ones besides the fighting right. and so i think it just took him a while to like figure out how to actually compete um, and how to get his weight right, and then obviously the going up in the weight class was good for him because you know it was to your point. Yeah, you're right. He was very up and down for kind of a handful of years there, and most of his losses were good people. But you know now since I think it's 2018, yeah, it's 2018 where he hasn't lost a fight since then. It's a while. All right. Well, good MMA talk to end the show to end yeah. the week. Ray, you're going to Super 32? Oh, baby. You're going to Super 32? He's going to North Carolina. I'm headed to Spain, so I may or may not be with you all next week. It'll be normal schedule next week. I know we talked about Mondays, but not for the next couple weeks at least. Oh, really? Still normal schedule. Yes. Oh, you son of a gun. I scheduled something next Tuesday because you told me on Monday I got to be on the show. You can, you can blame Christian Piles for that, for not responding to my text. I, I still was. I was not told that we have a show next Tuesday. You knuckleheads! All right, now we, we can we can talk off show more, right. but that'll do it all for us here in the studio for Ben in Wisconsin. See you later.